Hi, thank you for joining me on my podcast, No Agenda, No Apologies. This is Lisa Marie Costabile. Some of you may know me as Kota in the spiritual world. My next guest, Tommy McGinnis, is once again on the front lines in this pandemic, out on the streets helping people throughout New York City. Tommy was also a first responder in New York when 9-11 happened. We discussed the similarities of 9-11 to what is going on in the city today. From 9-11 to SARS, to H1N1, to the miracle on the Hudson Plain water landing and Superstorm Sandy. Tommy continues to put his own life at risk in order to help others. Now with the COVID-19 pandemic, he's back on the streets helping homeless in New York and is an essential worker. Tommy is also an EMS worker and an accomplished film and TV actor, as well as a published author. One day, Tommy hopes to see his screenplays and pilots get made. Let's welcome Tommy now. Hey, Tommy, how are you? I am good. How have you been? Good. It's been a long time. I appreciate you coming on the show. And um, Tommy here lives in uh, New York, New York City, and I thought he'd be a great person to speak to, um, considering what's going on in New York now. How are you holding up over there? Well, I'm fortunate enough that I'm still working, although a lot of my friends haven't had haven't worked in, say, about a month now, because... Uh, Two industries I'm in, one is social services and the other is uh, the entertainment industry. The entertainment industry has been shut down in the city. Right. So a lot of my friends haven't actually been able to work because nothing's working, nothing's shooting. Mm-hmm. So that's been rough on them, most of them. Right. You know, for me, it's been a blessing that I'm doing this job. At least I'm still receiving a paycheck. Right. So that's helpful. Oh, that's great. And what exactly are you doing? Um, homes that live in the subways are in need of shelters. So I reach out to them and try to get them to go back into shelters again, basically on the, on the overnights. Oh, good, good. Tommy and I go way back. We go to pre-9-11 um, Central Park. <laughs> so we can start back there. Yeah, can... <laughs> the girl who said, I don't know how to skate. Can you show me how to do that? Look at you now running a podcast. <laughs> grown up. <laughs> at least Bree's all grown up. I know. I'm young at heart, though. I'm young at heart. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the way I look at myself. I look in the mirror at the gray beard. I'm still, I'm still the guy with the dark hair. So yeah, I'm okay. So can you talk about your work before nine eleven up until now? Well, it's funny because I've I've actually felt like I've gone full circle. Prior to nine eleven, I was working with a team called MTA Connections that was run by the city and working on transit, helping homeless people living in the subways. And then when nine eleven hit, I actually worked at the site for the whole duration of the recovery effort. I was down there as a volunteer after working my shift during the day. I'd go there in the evenings like four times a week, mm-hmm. you know, just doing logistics and helping with the dig and all that nonsense. And then uh, when I was over, I started working as an EMT in the city, emergency medical technician. I worked on an ambulance for about close to 10 years. And then I got into the entertainment industry after I had a little uh, accident, hurt myself. And um, that's up until, and I'm still doing that. And, uh, but like we were saying, the entertainment industry has totally shut down production. So there hasn't been any work anywhere in mm-hmm. the city or I guess in the country now, everybody's been shut down and I, and self-containing and all that self-quarantining. So, uh, and I was lucky enough to get back into the field again of finding people in the subway and getting them into shelters. Mm-hmm. And I started doing that just about the same time that, that, uh, Cuomo and, De, and Mayor de Blasio put on the, the, the stay at home orders, you know, mm-hmm. the essential workers going out, everyone else, please stay at home kind of thing. 
So I've been an essential worker. I've still been going to work every night during this whole uh, pandemic. Wow. So it was a complete coincidence that you went back to the um, to the streets, so to speak, and then all of a sudden this happened. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I've been trying to get back into this field anyway because I kind of missed it. It was such. It was. It actually is really good work. Mm-hmm. So I kind of missed not not working the field again. But at the same time, I enjoy acting. I enjoy creating. I made a short. I've written a TV show. Mm-hmm. You know, I wrote a book. I wrote a book about my own homeless experiences as well as my work with the old homeless outreach team. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I've been in the industry. I've been busy, but uh, I do still feel that and part of me still needs to be doing this work that I'm doing now and I'm able I've been fortunate enough to be allowed to get back into it so it's kind of a gift as well right and it's amazing and rewarding um, not only are you good at it unfortunately you have experience with it do you want to talk a little bit about that yeah I was uh, from the in the mid 80s to the early 90s I was homeless myself for about five years so you know, my own experience brings my own perspective on what can happen to a person, how they can end up being homeless on the street, things like that. So I kind of bring that. You know, they say, uh, you know, you really don't know a person unless you can walk a mile in their shoes. Yep. Put mine on, I can walk 20, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So, wow. You know, so I go out there with that perspective, you know, with that with that empathy, you know, genuine empathy. Because it's like, no, I do understand what you're going through. I went through it myself for five years. I may, my situation may have been different. But in the end, I was still sleeping in subways and living on church steps and sleeping in Central Park for a good a good block of five years, a good chunk wow. of my life. So you know, I'm going to go there with that, at least, if nothing else. I don't know if you know it or not, but the homeless situation in L.A. is, it's it's intense. There's a lot of homeless. And um, to the listeners, how does one end up homeless? Oh, okay. Putting on the spot. I, well, you don't have to. If you don't, you don't have, I can totally. No, I know, I know, I know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking with okay. you. I'm joking with you. No, I'm joking with you. No, well, yeah. I mean, there are many different reasons. And there are the, the most common are either a severe persistent mental illness, like a bipolar disorder or a severe schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Or there's uh, substance abuse, you know, now labeled with K2, the most common you know, the, the most common drug out there now is K2 laced with fentanyl. Mm. So you get a lot of people addicted to opiates by smoking K2 that's got fentanyl in it. And that's like becoming the latest craze. So substance abuse is still a prominent factor. You know, either alcohol, drug, or mental illness are the two, are the two big main causes. Mm-hmm. But then there's also just poverty. You know, people are making a living wage and living in New York City is tough. Right. Yeah. You, know, you have to be making a decent living to be able to afford to live in an apartment in New York City. Yeah. So yep. LA too, I'm sure you got the oh, same yeah. problem out on your out on your coast. Yeah. Um something else I noticed about your population, see in New York we have a we have a right to shelter law. Right. So we have to provide public shelter for anybody mm-hmm. who wants it. Whereas California doesn't have that law. I know lately the governor and the mayor especially um has been advocating you know, building shelters for homeless people to get them off the street, especially now with the pandemic. Right. Yeah. But from what I understand, the numbers are equal. We have as many people in shelter as L.A. has out of shelter, unsheltered. That's true. Yeah. And vice versa. We have, you know, yeah. It's a complicated thing. It's a complicated thing mm-hmm. out here. And it's. It is. It's, it's you know, it's, it is. He said, she said, and let's try this. And, and it's interesting because um, it's kind of at a standstill what's going on. Um, maybe what's going on as far as the um, the COVID-19, I don't know if that's going to help out, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, it, 
it will drive Garcetti, Mayor Garcetti, to provide shelter, adequate shelter to keep people from, you know, I mean, social distancing is a thing, but there's no such thing as social distancing when you don't have a place to live. You know, you can't self-quarantine. Where are you going to go? You're outside all the time. Right. So there's no way to actually do it safely unless you provide adequate shelter. But, you know, we'll see, what, we'll see how that goes. It's heartbreaking. So, um, yeah. Since you and I were in New York for 9-11, but you're now there mm-hmm. through this pandemic, how do you see the, the differences or the similarities? Because I know for me, it definitely brought yeah. back certain memories. It triggered certain emotions right. as well. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, it's seeing the same deserted streets as the, as the weeks following the, the attacks on 9-11. The city has gotten extremely quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, hardly anybody on the streets driving, hardly anybody on the streets walking. I live in Hell's Kitchen, which is a stone store from Times Square, and Times Square is empty. Right. That place is never empty. Exactly. <laughs> never yeah. empty. It's always full of people, and now it is a ghost town. You walk through there, you don't bump into Elmo. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's all you see is Elmo, nobody else. Right. I'm like the tur- you know, it's, it's extremely quiet, and it's unnerving and kind of surreal. I feel like I'm in a movie. Right. I feel like I'm in a movie. Are you having any kind of flashback? Or people? I mean, I know tons of people in New York because I lived there for, what, over 15 years. Um, and yeah. I do, when I connect with a New Yorker, we have that in common. Like, oh, it's similar to 9-11. But now we're moving into weeks, and now they don't know. So at the beginning, it was, it definitely has similarities emotionally. But there's definitely differences. Yeah. Right. The difference being that this is, um, I mean, now they're saying that there are as many deaths in in uh, in the country, over 3,000 deaths, which is now more than what happened on 9-11. That was 2,997. Right. 2,997 people were killed on that day. Mm-hmm. What, what they're missing in the fact is people that have died since, which is another story. You know, people have caught diseases since 9-11 and have died. That's in the 2000s by itself. Right. That number has risen quite a bit. So people who died later from, you know, 9-11 related illnesses. But this pandemic is it, it, the thing is it's it's not it's not just a New York thing or, or a Washington D.C. thing. This is a worldwide thing. Right. This is global. It's like everybody's having a nine eleven moment now. Exactly. You know, we're all experiencing in the whole country, in the whole world, I should say. It's like it's like one world instead of you know you know the United States got attacked. No, the world is getting attacked this time. Yeah. And everybody's fighting to try to contain this thing, which has been very difficult. Now, I, I can imagine in New York City, I mean, tell us a little bit about um, what you're experiencing and some of the things that they're doing that you're actually seeing happen. Yeah, um, well, they, they definitely, I would say that the EMS protocols, I'll go with EMS because I've batched out for 10 years and now I'm back in the social services again. And the EMS protocols, everybody in EMS is scared. I'm seeing it. You know, there's tempers flaring. There's a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. Like the jobs that an EMS worker has to go pick up, every time they go into a job, they're putting on a full hazmat gear, like a full gown, face shield, mask, you know, latex gloves, you know, the whole thing, the whole, you know, a barrier, isolation, all, you know, protective equipment, mm-hmm. personal protective equipment. And this is what they're going into someone's house with, you know, mm-hmm. or they're coming to a job I'm on and they're wearing, you know, like two masks, not one, but two Oh. To try to protect themselves from catching the coronavirus, because that's how that's how contagious it is. That's right. how easily transmittable it is. And on every job, they're they're on pins and needles. I can see it. You know, the angers of tempers flaring. You know, people's um, 
I don't know, they're just getting all angry. You know, there's a lot of tension right. over this, over responding to a call that could be a COVID-19 case. Right, yeah. You know, so there's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of attitude, a lot of tension. It's like, in 9-11, we all came together. In this one, we're coming together too, but not as much because the first responders are really stressed to the limit. Right. I'm saying that, you know, even in my, even in my job, you know, we have a lot of people working out in the street. And mm. even even we're stressed to the limit. Like we just got new new protective mask yesterday, but we've been wearing the same mask for a week and a half. Right. We just got new mask yesterday to replace the old ones. So because we're out there too, so we have to we also wear protective equipment. You made a great point in that nine eleven happened, and New Yorkers just came together like no one's business. They just the love, the support, right. um, everything. They came together. This is also different because physically right. we really can't. We can help. We can, you know, yeah. call. Exactly. And... Exactly. You can't come together. You, you can't stay away from each other. You can't. Yeah, it's, it's it's bizarre. The one thing that's similar is the people clapping, people applauding for the for the responders right. from their apartment windows. They're, they're appreciating those that are essential workers. That's nice. I mean, I always felt New York had just this energy that you can't explain. You have to experience it. Um, but yeah. that that's what I recall in New York. Obviously, it was just my favorite city in the world. So, um, uh, well, you can always come back and visit. Exactly. Lisa Marie. We'll I go will. For coffee. Yes. Hang out. Go skating. <laughs> and I'll teach you some things. Right. Cor- that you don't know how to do. <laughs> <laughs> coffee talk. Um, coffee talk. Oh my God. <laughs> um, the humor is great, but, um, so, as far as, well, this frustration, of course, with the first responders and yourself, because there's not enough um, masks and then there's not enough, you know, gowns or, um, and how, who and how are people keeping the morale up? Are they following um, the governor, Governor Cuomo, or are they, you know? Well, thank you, Cuomo, for being professional during this whole thing. He's, you know, if anytime we need a leader, he's, he's been a great leader for our state. Mm-hmm. And I think your boy's been doing pretty well, too. Right. Yeah. Hasn't, hasn't been a slouch. He's been stepping up to the plate. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like the real leaders in this pandemic have been the governors of the governors of the states of this country. Right. They've mm-hmm. been the true leaders. They've stepped up. They've stepped up and done their job great. So the other day I went to watch the ship come the other morning when it came in. I was able to go watch it come up the river and dock on Pier 90. So that was. I saw you. I mean, that was impressive because that, you know, you saw my video. Huh? Yeah. Made a little video. Mm hmm. Yeah, made a little video, you know, the filmmaker and me still making films, even mm-hmm. if it's a minute long commercial about a boat coming up the river, you know. No, that's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. But um, so New Yorkers are, I find, very resilient. I mean, li- I mm-hmm. listen to the governor every morning. Um, it's definitely getting me through. Are there any any other things that you can share with the audience as far as how? Okay, so for instance, as you know, people in LA don't really walk, or California, we're not really. Although, although I still do, I have to say I walk all yeah. the time. Right. Well, I, I walk to work. My office is a mile away, and I'll give you a perfect example. I go in at ten thirty, so I leave my house around nine forty-five, and I take the walk to my office. And it's you know, I mean, again, like I said, how quiet the city is. Mm-hmm. It's eerily quiet. It's bizarrely too quiet. I walk home in the morning. I walk to work at night, as long as the weather's nice and I got enough time. You know, I just take that hike. And it's like. And how quiet the streets are, you know. But then I see tension. You know, like two guys who get too close to each other, and a fight will almost break out. I saw two guys on bikes, and one guy cut the other guy off, and a fight was about to break out right there on Seventh Avenue. And two guys riding bikes, and there was no one else around. There was plenty of room. 
You know, so why the fighting over, over one lane when you got three lanes of highway that's all yours? You know, but that's how, you know, so it's, it's eerily quiet, but at the same time, it's eerily crazy. You know, the tension mm-hmm. is, the, the, that's the difference between 9-11. There was no tension. People got together, period. Right. But here in this, in this condition, like you said, you can't get together. So you don't have the nurturing support of your friends or your family because you have to stay away from them or else someone can get sick. Yeah. And when that's going on, you know, ten, you know, personalities clash, basically. It's crazy. It's a different thing. New York is so congested. I still can't yeah. understand how someone could. So you're in a, um, people are in an apartment building. Are you allowed to go out? I don't even know. I know mm-hmm. you, is it, you only can go out to the store to get some groceries and that's well, it? No, no, we're not on that kind of lockdown. People can't go out. People can walk when they do practice, practice the, the social distancing. You know, um, they're, they're putting a ban. I think Cuomo today just announced he's putting a ban on playgrounds because kids were getting together to play games together. And he keeps saying in, in everything, you can't do social distancing and play basketball. You'll be a lousy player. You'll lose. He says at every press conference. So finally, he finally closed the playground so you can't play basketball or, you know, get together and, and bunch up because that's what's going on. If you saw that video, the people who were closer to the water were all on top of each other when that ship came in. And I wanted to get the crowd because they applauded. But when I looked at it again, it's like you're right on top of each other. Right. You're not wearing masks. Where's this social distancing that Quinn was talking about? Where's this staying six feet apart? You know, and even in my office, we're not staying six feet apart, to be honest, because we're too many people in a small space. And we do have to work together. we got to work on the computers. So even that came up last night. Right. So, I mean, we, we try what we do what we can, you know, but we have to work. We have to, do, we have to work in the environment that we have. When you're in the street, you're literally in a full, mm-hmm. what, what exactly are you wearing? Oh, well, you know, I'm wearing my, my okay, I'm going to be, I have to be real careful now. Like I said, I can't really describe who I work for. So okay. I'm just wearing their identifiers that I work for them. Okay. And then I put gloves and a, and a, and a mask. Well, it's just gloves and a mask. Okay. And I'm, I'm doing my job. So. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I almost feel weird talking to people with a mask on, but now because everybody has a mask on, it's kind of like the new normal. Exa- yeah, it Everybody's is. Everybody's wearing a mask. It it's is. the new normal now. So. I don't know if it was a rumor. I thought I heard people, are, they're really encouraging everybody. If you're in a supermarket... You have to be wearing a, mm-hmm. um, a mask. I know here I heard a story of somebody went into one of the larger chains here. Um, mm-hmm. And it's bigger than the food emporium. Remember, well, I remember food emporium. It's wow. bigger than that. So one of the big, yeah, it's a big store. supermarkets here and someone was coughing mm-hmm. and they had security mm-hmm. escort the person out. Well, that's that's like I said, it's like because this thing is so contagious. And you don't know, and it's funny, you don't really know you have it. You know, people can have, be asymptomatic or have minor symptoms and not really realize that it could be the coronavirus. It could just be a cold, but who knows the difference? Mm-hmm. Until you get a test, you don't know. Are there tests running out there? Uh, there are tests, but it's the same thing everywhere else. You get tested when you meet a certain criteria for a test. Right. Not everybody gets tested. Right. There aren't enough tests to go around to take care of. I think they got 500,000 tests kissed and we got eight million people in New York City. Oh my so, goodness. Definitely definitely short. You know what I mean? People are actually going on the subways too. Very few, but yeah, well the subways are running for essential personnel. So they're on they're on a very limited schedule, like one train every ten minutes or as opposed to one every three. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Rush hour may pick up a little bit, but it's more to get the essential workers to their jobs. Right. 
But there are long waits at night between subways, so. And the hospitals must be all busy. Overloaded. Overloaded. They, that's why they built. They just built our playground, Central Park, mm-hmm. has a tent. Wow. A big a big uh, medical tent that covers, uh, well, I forget how many beds they said, but a lot of beds. And it's going to be for corona patients. They're going to put extra ventilators and ICU units in these tents in Central Park, which is going to help out our Mount Sinai hospital system. Yeah. And the, the ship is going to handle overflow, flushing metal park, not flushing. Um, what's that? The Arthur Ashe uh, Tennis Arena mm-hmm. has become another clinic, you know, yeah. in Queens. So there's been a lot of, you know, things just popping up. Did they transfer the Javits Center? Uh, Javits, yes, they did convert Javits Center into a thousand bed, a thousand bed facility to handle non-corona patients. That's going to be for oh. straight medical jobs that aren't related to COVID nineteen. Oh, okay. I didn't know. To handle the overflow in hospitals because they're getting all the COVID-19s. And if they can get stable patients that are on COVID to get them out of the hospital and put it and treat them someplace else, that's what they want to do. That's Mm -hmm. what Javits is for. I think think the ship is going to handle a little bit of both. I think that they want the ship to also handle overflow. You know, let the hospitals deal with the COVID-19s and let the ships and the tents take care of those that are more stable. That are other conditions besides COVID-19. Because the hospitals are overwhelmed. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine. So that is different than 9-11. Is that because I lived up in the 70s, right off First Avenue, Mm -hmm. if you recall, and the hospitals there. So there was what? NYU, Sloan Kettering, Mm -hmm. uh, Rockefeller. What else? All up there. And it was so quiet. I've never in my Mm -hmm. life seen New York City so quiet. The hospitals were just, there was no one moving into the, no one, there was no one coming out. There was yeah. no, because you know why. Right. On 9-11, pretty much everybody died. There weren't a lot of survivors that were being treated. Yeah. Pretty much everybody died. Whereas here is the opposite. Exactly. Everybody and their mothers being treated. It was quite, quite the extreme. Like that was zero patients. Mm-hmm. This is not 1,000% patients. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a total, total opposite. So the hospitals are overwhelmed in this case. So living in New York in, in um, close quarters, I will say the difference with a lot mm-hmm. of other places in the country, maybe except for like San yeah. Francisco. I mean, New York's just such a big city. Um, the living mm-hmm. quarters are very small. How how is every how are right. you surviving? Like emotionally, how are you staying grounded? Well, for me, I'm I can go to work. I'm not stuck in my house every day. For five days a week, I go to work. I'm out. Right, and the the overnight. But, right? but today I had a good, yeah, yeah. But today I had a good experience. I have a, I went, I, we did an online hacking class with Zoom, and we played a Hollywood Squares game. So when you look at the Zoom gallery, it's like all these little squares, and all the actors and all the students are all together oh. with our improv teachers. So we had a little class today before I before I turned in for the day because, as you said, I'm up all night, sleep all day. Oh, that's so funny. I. Uh, yeah, so that was cool, you know, to do to do an online improv class. We had a lot of fun playing some improv games. So, that, so I still find ways to keep my skills going for as an actor, right? While at the same time going to my night job. Mm-hmm. Are you are you writing anything new at this point? Uh yeah, I wrote a. It's funny. I mean, this is it's almost modeled from heaven, but uh, I've created an emergency medical technician based hospital show. Mm-hmm. And I've written like four or five episodes so far, and then this happened, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is gold!" <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's gold. The New York City EMS show with a pandemic, and I'm watching and I'm living it. This is golden. Of course, I won't. I'll have to. I mean, I gotta be careful because a lot of people are losing friends and family. So there's always that. I remember the days after 
Mm-hmm. Uh, movies were coming out with the, with the with the towers image, and they were scrubbed out of the films during that time. Like yeah. in Spider Man, for example, the first Spider Man with Tobey Maguire. Yep. There was a scene where he webbed a helicopter between the towers oh. during during the montage in the middle of the movie when he becomes Spider Man. Mm-hmm. And the last thing he did was web a helicopter in the towers, and they cut that piece out because it was it was coming out after the attacks. So, which was interesting. So they cut that piece out because it was yeah. As a creative person and a writer and an actor, or I mean, how Hollywood would handle this because you have to be careful. And I do remember clearly right. there were so many 9-11-esque movies coming out or and they all either got postponed or canceled. I'm curious how, right. I mean, times have changed since then. Maybe it'll happen a lot sooner. I'm well, wondering. I'm sure that the scripts are being written by everybody and their mother, but they're probably not going to release it for a couple of years. Wait until this really blows over mm-hmm. and then people get back to their normal. Like in 9-11, for example, the movie by Oliver Stone, mm-hmm. that didn't come out to what, about 10 years later or something like that? Wow. Yeah. The 9-11 movie with the, with the what's that, Nicholas Cage, where he played the Port Authority cops when they were buried. And trapped under the building for, for like like a day. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So so that's you know that's probably what's going to happen. This will come out maybe you know this pandemic will be a movie of the week, but not for ten years probably. Mm-hmm. Maybe less, but you know because you got to be you know you got to be sensitive. People have lost friends and family members, so exactly. it's not like nine eleven. People lost friends and family members, so you got again you got to Hollywood's got to be sensitive. Let's see. It changed. It definitely, it changed um, at least America forever. Things changed a Although lot. Well, from what I understand, though, movies like a, like a Contagion and Outbreak have been top of the charts for for binge watching. <laughs> I have to tell you, Tommy, I cannot. I don't need to watch anything about what's going on, and I never watched a nine eleven movie. I can't. I can barely yeah, watch I a movie with any airplanes in it. Every time I hear mm-hmm. an airplane to this day, I can't, I just, I feel, I, I can't explain it. Um, I can't listen or watch any, you know, any movie. So, um, yeah, I kind of do that too. And the plane flies overhead, I look up and I look to see how low it is and make sure it's not flying over Manhattan because that's mm-hmm. supposed to be restricted airspace. And every time I see one flying over, I'm like, what's what going on? What are you doing up there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, like I said, you're creative and the, um, Hollywood is definitely shut down here too. Everything is shut down. Yeah. Everyone's losing money from costumers, directors, writers. Mm-hmm. But just, I want to tell the audience, this is some of the stuff that I speak about um, on my um, spiritual side, it, it is, is it is good to adopt something creative, do something that you've never done. Okay. Write that screenplay or book, write that. There's going to be a lot of books that may come out of this. That's what I'm interested. Just oh, sure. maybe someone who's inspired. I see my daughter writing more, and, and she's only eight, uh-huh. um, doing more creative play because I we're, we're, she's homeschooled now, and... And I don't yeah. encourage um, the news to be on when she's around, and I also don't encourage an iPad. So that'll be an interesting thing. But I do have a philosophy on how I think the industry will go. I think it is going to get, especially you're in a big market. LA is a big market. I think you yes. get. I think you're going to get very busy once we get back. Oh yeah, it's going yeah. to be so busy. Well, there were pilots that were suspended, right. and they still didn't want to make those pilots. So I could see the summer exploding with pilots being shot. You right. know, it's pilot season. It was pilot season when this thing hit, and pilots were scheduled to shoot and didn't shoot. Yeah, so. there was no pilot season. My daughter's an actor, so there was no exactly. pilot season okay. at all. Yeah. 
Um, just a few things here and there, but nothing, um, you know, nothing substantial. It just hit in the middle of it, I guess. Or actually, I'm sorry, correct me. It hit in the beginning of it. Um, yeah. So it never even happened. I was scheduled to shoot, didn't shoot. Right. Right. So I expect to see them all getting ready to shoot in the summer. When all this thing, hopefully by summertime, we'll have, you know, I was watching the news and got the curve and he's saying by like July 1st, we'll be, we'll be at, at the bottom of the curve again. You know, we're, everything will start to start to level off mm-hmm. and quietly end, you know, quietly go away if we're lucky. But that's on the New York curve. They're saying that what happens in New York now is going to happen elsewhere in the country later. Right. Yeah. So who knows when this country thing is actually going to end? We're hoping it'll end for us early, but who knows? I know. I think um, mm-hmm. L.A. is, what, two weeks behind New York? I think so. About yeah, two weeks? Two or three weeks, yeah, 15 days. And then that doesn't even count the rest of the country. So what What right. are... Right. Louisiana is spiking. Florida's on decline, you know. Yeah. yeah. Illinois rising. And, and we've... I mean, New York has become the epicenter of the thing because we got the most cases. But that doesn't mean... We all got the most cases because we've taken the most tests. Right. That's pretty much it. You know, we can document the most cases because we have the tests taken. We don't know how many cases there really are around the country because not everybody gets a test. That's the thing. There aren't enough tests to cover everybody. That's a shame. Everybody take a test and then we'll have an accurate number. Well, everyone should have access to a test and everyone should have... Or the people who need, like yourself and... um, Yeah, folks that are out there exposed. Oh, yeah. I, I can't... I can't understand how they're not getting it. The masks that they sell to the regular population, are those safe, you know? Yeah. So, Tommy, since you're a creative person, do you want to tell us about anything that you're going to be releasing anytime soon? Or do you have a website people can go to to check out your other work or anything? I have three websites that I manage. One is my name, Tommy McGinnis, M-C-I-N-N-I-S dot com where you can also see the trailer of my short film that I put out a couple of years ago. That's an award-winning short film, by the by. Mm-hmm. Um, Bravo. Mm-hmm. Very and then, good. Uh, thank you. And my book, Last Stop, A Survivor's Story, that has a website, laststopbook.com. And you can also get information on screenplay, uh, written of adapted screenplay of that. We're, we were in negotiations, you know, for a film, but that's been put on hold as well because everybody's self-isolating, so we don't have talks. Mm-hmm. And then uh, CampCamden.com, which is another homeless story that I wrote about Camden, New Jersey, and the homeless camp there, plus that city being the, uh, what's they call the poorest city in America. Wow. And I also have a little advocacy for me uh, that homelessness isn't included in the hate crime statutes in most of the states in this country. Mm-hmm. I think maybe 13 states practice it, but don't have it as law, and three may have a law. But um, Homeless hate crime is like a homeless person gets attacked because they're homeless. Just like if you're gay, you get attacked and you get cursed out. If you're mm. if you're a Jew, you get attacked and they call you you know names. And if you're of a different race, you get attacked and call you names. You know, and then it becomes a hate crime. Whereas homeless, if they call you a bum and beat the crap out of you, you know who cares? Mm-hmm. So I wrote a movie that focuses on that kind of a story called Camp Camden. Then a homeless guy who does get attacked halfway through, he ends up getting a traumatic brain injury and then, you know, the DA in Jersey tries to pursue a hate crime statute based on the fact that guy's homeless and he brings it to the, and the DA brings it to the court. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to get that, you know, so that's a film that to me is like a kind of a pet project of mine that I want to see get done. Oh, I'd love you that. Know, just to get that story out there and bring some away. Oh, thanks. 
And you've worked so hard and you've been servicing people for so long. It's time for sure. Well, thank you so much, Tommy, for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy. Now you're going to hit the streets, right? You have, you got to start work late, right? Yeah, in a couple hours, a couple mm-hmm. of hours from now, it's uh, 10 to 9. I'll be there at 10 30 in the streets. Okay. Back to work. Well, good. Okay. We'll be safe and we'll speak soon. Thanks. Yeah. Great to hear from you. Okay. Let's go skating. When this is over, you come to New York and you bring your rollerblades. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> when all this is over and we can do social networking again and hang out in, in public. <laughs> definitely. Yes, definitely. All right. Okay. All right. Good to hear from you, Lisa. Take care. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Feel free to reach out for a reading. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at A Spiritual Reading. Stop by my website at spiritual readings.com and I look forward to hearing from you and sharing this journey.